Welcome back to the Outskirts Podcast with Tanner and Friends. As Halloween approaches, you must have known you'd find us still on the trail of the spooky stuff. And we're picking up the trail with our new friend Rebecca. When she and her family moved into a century-old home in Monticello, Arkansas, they didn't believe the folks in the community who warned them that, well, they'd be sharing the place with the ghosts of the Allen family. Friends, now is not the time to turn off the lights. But even if you're listening by the warm light of day, according to our first storyteller, the freaks don't just come out at night. Brace yourselves as Rebecca walks us through the original wrought iron gates and into the grand old foyer of one of Arkansas's most notorious haunted houses. mentioned to somebody that I was interested in buying the Allen house, they would always say, oh, you don't want that place. And if I asked them why, they would say, well, it has history. We moved in June of 2007. It is now August 2023. When we moved in, my husband and I both thought the stories about the house, the whole lore about it being haunted, We really thought that was because of the way the house looks. Just sort of looks like an old haunted house. The paint was peeling, the yard was sort of growing up on top of it. Um, But we just thought it was a diamond in the rough. We thought it was beautiful. It needed someone to take care of it. And then we bought it. And I'd say, not even a week moving in, my husband and I each had our own separate paranormal experiences. Then I had another one and I finally just confessed to my husband that I had seen something I couldn't explain. Impossible. <laughs> and then he confesses to me about something he had seen. And then we start comparing notes. And from that point on, we both just, I think, came to the realization that there was more to the stories than we initially thought. What were some of those stories that you were aware of moving into the place? Well, the house had been written up on on a few websites because back then, I mean, people had started doing that, but it wasn't really, really big. So there were stories someone had died in the house. And then, of course, there's a ghost. The original family had a member of the family commit suicide in the house. Now, she didn't actually die in the house, but she took poison in the house and she did subsequently die at the hospital, which was two doors down. So the stories, the original stories, are about her, the ghost of Liddell Allen Bonner. (laughs) So the only thing we knew by the time we bought the house was that it was haunted, and it was so haunted that during the period of time when the house was an apartment building, tenants would move in and move out the same day. One story was that this guy moves in, He's setting up all his stuff in his bedroom. He decided that, you know, he was kind of tired. And in the room that he was in was a very large armoire cabinet. 
and he's resting on the bed where it falls asleep wakes up from a nap to find that the cabinet had been moved in front of the door from the inside so he was so freaked out somehow he moved it out of the way and he left and he never came back people would hear footsteps in the attic very heavy boot steps walking across the attic floor and it scared people so badly that they would call the police so it's stories like that, having strange things happen, stuff moving around. I don't know, just just some really, what seemed to me when I heard it, they seemed like silly ghost stories. What you expect in a small town when you have nothing better to do is, you know, have a story about the haunted house. The attraction and the allure of the house is the architecture, absolutely. I never experienced anything truly paranormal until we moved into the house. All right, so the first activity that I noticed in the house was doppelganger activity. I did not know what that was. Um, and until we had ghost hunters come and do film an episode in the house, um, I did not know that that's usually something that happens outside of town. The doppelganger is an entity or a spirit that takes on the form of a living person within the home. So what happened to me, when we first moved into the house, I was in the dining room painting on the ceiling. Um, that was one of my first projects. So I'm in there painting the ceiling. I kept thinking that I was seeing my son Jacob, who was five at the time, walk past the hallway door. And he would never respond to me when I would say, hey, Jacob. He would ignore us. He'd just keep walking. So he didn't have time for mom. Uh, one time he walked by and I had kind of had enough and I came down off the ladder and I, I followed him. But as soon as I stepped out into the hallway, he wasn't there. So I went in the direction he was going. He's nowhere in the rooms around. Can't find him anywhere. And I'm calling his name. He never responds to me. And I'm thinking, okay, well, he went upstairs. I never heard him go up the stairs, although you would because they kind of creak a little bit. They are wooden steps and they are old. So I go upstairs. I'm walking around calling his name. I finally find him in their gaming sort of room. He and his brother are both sitting down playing a video game. They turn around and look at me, wonder why in the world I'm calling for Jacob. What's the problem? And so I commenced to getting on to him, to Jacob, for not responding to me, for not saying, hey, I'm here. Just why would you ignore me and run off? And his older brother responds with, why do you think he was downstairs? We've been up here playing this game the whole time. So according to both boys, Jacob had never left the upstairs. He had been up there. But I had seen him walk past this doorway several times during that day. Um, so anyway, after they told me that, thought it was a little creepy to the point where that was when I talked to my husband. Maybe I'm losing my mind. And he said that the very first day that we were moving our belongings into the house, from the side door, there's a maid staircase. Mark's bringing in boxes and things and setting them down on the stairs or on the floor right in front of it. And he said he'd set some bags down and Jacob was there and he's rifling through one of the paper bags looking for something, who knows. And so Mark asks him, hey, how are you liking the house, son? And you, are you looking for something in particular? He said Jacob never responded to him, instead just walked off. Didn't really look at him, just walked off. 
And uh, and Mark followed him, and of course, he's not there, and he was upstairs. I had another instance of this not long after Mark and I and Joshua, our older son, we were all three in the same room, and Jacob, the younger son, was in the room right next to us. He walks right past me, goes to the front, goes toward the front door, and turns left to go into the front bathroom. And I watch him do this, and then almost as... I mean, it was like a replay of life. My eyes saw him do it again. And it was real weird. This was another instance where I thought, man, my brain is just not working right today. I asked Mark, my husband, I'm like, did you see this? Did you see Jacob go toward the bathroom twice? He had no idea what I'm talking about. So I go to follow him. Go to the bathroom door. The door's locked. So I start knocking on it. Jacob, what's going on? Are you okay? And he, his response was, I'm doing things in here. Not, I just need to pee, leave me alone, give me some privacy, good grief. Um, he says nothing except, I'm doing things in here. I go to walk away and I stop before I ever turn the corner, turned right back around. I go to the bathroom door and I decided that I'm the mom and if I... If I want to know what's going on, you have to tell me or you have to unlock this door. And I just grabbed the doorknob and the door just fell open. Look around in the bathroom. Jacob's not in there. So then I'm really weirded out. We find Jacob upstairs in the toy room again. Pretty much every time this happened, he was upstairs in the toy room. He was gaming or he was reading or playing with action figures, just whatever it was that this five-year-old boy was doing, but he was very engaged, and then it would go running around the house. Joshua, our older son, had a friend over. This friend was spent the night many, many, many nights in our house. Jacob had fallen asleep on the couch in the hallway so that the friend could sleep in the room with Joshua. One morning, they said, both boys had walked around to essentially where the two staircases come up and land at the same spot in the second floor hallway. Okay, they can look down the hallway and see Jacob sleeping on the couch still, but they can also see straight down the front staircase and they see him running circles in the foyer. <laughs> So they saw Jacob in two places at the same time. I had never seen that. In fact, I didn't know that the boys had witnessed this until years later when they confessed it to me. Um, but the friend kept coming over and spending the night, It, although being very weird, and I would imagine unnerving to see that, um, they, they never had a problem. They, he just kept coming over and spending the night. I mean, it was like normal. It was like there are weird things that go on, but it's just Jacob. It's just, it's just my friend's little brother. My husband has seen me in doppelganger form. I've seen myself in doppelganger form, but only from behind. So like body shape, my hair. I immediately turned around and walked away. And I was just done at that point that day. I did not see my own face. So I don't know if it's true that if you see the face, you die. So when we told ghost hunters about these instances late years later, when they came to investigate, they told us it was impossible. Hey, get a load of this. She said they got the doppelgangers living with the ghosts. <laughs> yeah, no, that's impossible.
Never happens. They said that it does that does not happen in a house where you have other paranormal activity too. Because the paranormal activity in our house wasn't limited to the doppelganger stuff. They were there to debunk everything. They were there to say, oh, okay, well, this is why this happened. This is why this happened. And, man, I just told my husband that when they came, when they finally came and we were telling them these stories, I said, you know what? Nothing is going to happen because ghost hunters came all the way here. You know, they called us. They called me one day. We're like, can we come? Absolutely. This would be fantastic. We love the show. We thought it would be super cool. They come, and I told my husband, I said, those ghosts are not going to do anything. Nothing's going to happen because we think it would be cool, right? And my husband said, yeah, either nothing's going to happen or all kinds of hell will break loose. But we both really felt like nothing would happen. They come. We leave the house. They do their investigating. I think we were out of the house for two nights. So when it came time for the reveal, and if you watch our episode, you'll see um, that they did get some stuff, some activity, which was surprising. Something on camera, which was surprising. Um, the whole experience was surprising to me because I just expected nothing to happen. But they have this one member of their team, Tango, who'd been with the team since the beginning of the show. And this is the guy, the one team member never had anything paranormal happen. When he came to our house, he was like, yeah, uh, nothing's ever happened to me. Nothing. And we were like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen here either. <laughs> like, I mean, we, it was just like we were so pessimistic about it. And then when they did the reveal, he did, in fact, have something happen. And our house was the very first place he'd ever had a paranormal experience. And I don't know that he's had any since because I haven't watched the show like in a very, very long time. Um, but I just know that the first paranormal experience he ever had was in our house. Yeah, they, they showed yeah. out for them. I was surprised. <laughs> Most stuff it happens during the daytime. Um, man, I could tell you maybe twice something's happened at night that I've ever noticed. And I tell people it's because I'm asleep. I'm not walking around my house looking for crazy things to happen. I go to bed. I mean, I'm asleep. Um, but during the daytime, lights are on, the sun is out, it doesn't matter. You still can see or feel strange things. You don't necessarily hear them, but on occasion you can record them with a digital audio recorder. Um, and that's what investigators do a lot of the times. But I have seen what we call the shadow man. The way I describe him is he's sort of like a tall man with a cowboy hat, maybe a trench coat on, something like that. And if you know those black cowboy silhouettes that you see that people lean up against their uh, mailbox on county roads and that sort of thing, he reminds me of that, but darker. Like, it's such a dark darkness that um you can't see through it but you almost feel like it can see through you i have seen the apparition of a child in the house as far as like actually seeing ghosts i would say the most like in your face i am a ghost you are allowed to see me 
was one night when I saw the apparition or the ghost of a small child. And um, there was you know, nothing in the hallway, and then all of a sudden, there it was. <laughs> I've talked about that experience on a couple of shows before. I think Paranormal Witness and a Haunting, maybe. There's tons of stories. The stories sort of intermingle together through the gears because you have it happening, and then there's a retelling of it. And sometimes when you retell the story, then something will happen. So like you and I talking here, I wouldn't be surprised if my computer just stops working and uh, and we can't con- continue our, our audio. Um, but that's the kind of thing that does happen. I, um, we had an instance of things moving. I went into the kid's bathroom, noticed a $5 bill folded up on the toilet tank. thought, well, that's weird. Like, why would these boys be so lazy with money. This is irresponsible. I can't trust them to even have $5. So I I get both boys and I give them the big mama talk about how you have to take care of things, especially money. Don't leave it lying around. No one claims this $5. Nobody, it's nobody's money. Okay, well, that doesn't make any sense, but whatever. So I left the $5 on the toilet tank. I went downstairs because I heard noise down there. I didn't realize what it was until I got down to the kitchen. But in the kitchen cabinet was one of those small TVs with the TV and the VCR combo thing. The cabinet's open. The TV's on full volume. It's just static. And the $5 bill is sitting on the table in the middle of the room. I had just been upstairs. No idea how it got down there. So I thought it was another $5 bill. I go back upstairs. It's not on the toilet tank. It's downstairs. So I'm upset because the kids aren't taking care of their money. You know, who who left the TV on? Why is it full volume? Why is the cabinet door open all night long? And nobody knows anything about this. And and my husband just says, it's one of these things that we just need to let it go. Prior to that stuff happening in that same room close to Halloween, I had bought a glass face. It was really cool. I filled it with red apples and it was on the table and I liked looking at it. Mark had gone downstairs first for breakfast that morning and he said he heard something as he's washing dishes. He heard something behind him. He turns around in time to see my glass vase slide across the table and just drop to the floor and break into a billion pieces. And I went in the room, and I was upset, of course, because I'm like, why why you break my face? And he's, of course, it wasn't me. It wasn't the cat. It just slid off the table for no reason at all. So it was at that point that I started, when something would happen, I would say, listen, this was not cool. Don't mess with my stuff. That was the beginning of me saying, hey, there's a limit, and you you just have to respect my boundary here. Um, that never happened again. It did not, however, stop things from disappearing that were important and finding them like a year or two later or something like that when they decided to say, oh, she's completely forgotten about it. Let me just set it out on the table, but I'm just messing with her, so it's it's fine. I don't know. I'm I'm just theorizing because it's such a frustration and you can't explain it. One of those specific instances was with my cell phone. My cell phone has become very much an appendage to my body. It is important, okay? I got kids, um, a husband, 
family I want to connect with at all times. So if my phone disappears, I am unnerved. I am upset. So this one morning, I couldn't find my phone anywhere. It had just completely disappeared. I looked, I looked everywhere to find my phone. I'm like, this is really just nuts. I get on Google. Google says, oh, your phone's here in the house. I was like, okay. It's on the property somewhere. And every time I get on Google or I refresh it, it shows the phone in a different area of the house. I know the phone's not moving around unless someone's got it. But nobody's in the house except for me. So anyway, I get real frustrated because I can't find the phone. Things moving around. Eventually, it stops moving. And what Google shows is that it's in this back corner quadrant. So it's going to be either the downstairs kitchen area or the upstairs kitchen area or possibly, you know, the attic or maybe just outside the house on the porch out there. So I start tearing this house apart in all of those rooms, working my way up. I even went to the attic. Oh, man. I had such a horrible allergy attack after that because I'm really highly allergic to dust. And I had stirred up everything up there. I mean, I was looking in under the eaves of the roof in the attic for this phone. Because I knew it was here. Look everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And then my husband comes home. He starts helping me. We look all over the place, right? Okay, so finally, I convinced Mark to go to the attic and talk to Alan Bonner who is, he is who we attribute all the things moving around to. He was a jokester and a prankster in life. He is still that. I'm like, you need to go to the attic, talk to your friend, Alan. You tell him to quit messing with my phone. This is not a joke anymore. I want it back. So Mark got, Mark said he thought that was actually a pretty good idea. So he goes to the attic. He's like, hey, um, you're going to have to give the phone back. Like, you can't keep this. It's really important that you give it back. He comes down the attic steps, walks into the diner kitchen, and it's sitting on the counter. It was just a very, like, devastatingly irritating thing to do. Uh, but he likes to take my car keys. He likes to take my debit card for years. I couldn't have a debit card. I could only use Mark's debit card for our, our joint account because Alan would always take mine. And we would find it in weird places, like um, in a box of tissues on the back of the uh, toilet tank. Or uh, one time I found one in the attic. I found one in my car. Oh, man, it was over a year. And then, boom, there it was just in the car. And when we give tours of the house, of course, we tell, we share these stories with people. Um, and I'd say maybe 50% of people are just like, this is too weird for me. I don't even believe it. The other 50% of people say, oh, I have a story to tell you. And then they want to tell us their stories. And I'm always like, that yeah, didn't happen. <laughs> it did. It did. In, for them, it did. Just like my stories for me really did happen. The doppelganger thing creeps me out. Your husband sees basically the ghost of you, right? Yeah. That's so bizarre. You ever think about that as sort of like a time slip where when you saw the back of yourself, do you think that it's some version of you in a different dimension or a different time? Or do you think it's an imposter? It's like uh -huh. you're haunting the place. 
wow. I mean, I don't think I ever thought of it in that way. But man, that would be pretty wild if it was really me haunting myself. I, I don't know. <laughs> now you're going to creep me out to live in my own house. <laughs> <laughs> it's overdue. I think you should have yeah. been creeped out a long time ago. Thank you, Rebecca, for that amazing tour of your very spooky house. The Allen House has been featured on nearly all the major ghost shows, but she says the Ghost Brothers had the most fun. I'm going to watch that episode later tonight. Well, friends, we hope you enjoyed that installment in our annual Halloween series. Make sure you're subscribed so you'll be notified when the next tale drops. And in the meantime, if you happen to walk into your kitchen and see from behind the likeness of yourself bent over the sink washing dishes, do yourself a favor and take Rebecca's advice. Just call it a day and go back to bed. We'll talk to you soon on the next episode. Don't worry, we're going to keep this spooky train rolling. This episode of the Outskirts Podcast with Tanner and Friends was brought to you in part by Felix's non-denominational hex removal services. Hello? Hello, Tanner. Are you feeling a little under the weather? (laughs) Before you meet your end, I wanted you to know that it was I who hexed you. Your last moments are sure to be filled with terror. My sisters and I performed a little blood ritual last night to seal your fate. Be sure to scream loud enough for us to savor your agony. (laughs) Dang it. Jeez. Which voice texted you? Dang, she hexed you. Trouble vexed you. What are you gonna do? Problems with the curse. Ex-girlfriend drops a hearse. Call Felix's non-denominational hex removal services. Or the Jolo steam. <laughs>